Hello everyone, welcome back or welcome to the Earth to Prairie podcast. This is our Christmas episode and uh, I'm not going to talk about Christmas at all, uh, straight up, um, but it does actually segue into today's topic. So um, when I think about Christmas, uh, I always think about like, you know, you're going home to your family, uh, you probably don't live with them anymore and as soon as you get home, you kind of lose whatever self you are to your, like, high school self. You uh, you essentially just, like, uh, regress into who you were as a child, uh, spending time with family. And, uh, like, that makes sense, I think. Um, your family knows, I would say, like, you as a kid uh, more than you as an adult. And if they're going to treat you as you as a kid, which is not, like, an offensive thing to do, like, it's just that's who they think you are, right? Um, they're not being malicious. It's pretty easy to like fall into that role. Um, so I always think about that as like, on one hand, you kind of lose your like sense of self. Um, and then on the other hand, I guess like people can get frustrated. Like, oh man, I'm like not being myself or I'm not being treated as I, I think I might be treated or People are just also angry about having to spend time with family. I don't know. <laughs> um, so our whole episode today, because of that, because of that like regression, uh, because of that um, like dissatisfaction that might come out of spending time with family, thought I'd give everyone a nice juicy episode about like identity. And uh, in reality, what we're going to be talking about today is self-actualization and uh, how we might be able to achieve it um, through, I don't know, wellness-related um, activities. Let's say that. Um, I'll get into it, and I'll, I'll give a more maybe accurate summation of each part once we get there. Um, but we'll see. Um, just so you know, when writing this episode, uh, this episode's been through a couple script rewrites. Um, I'm recording on Friday, so I'm recording on Christmas Eve. So I'm a little bit at crunch time. Um, but no, I, I think it's a good episode, and I think it's something I personally really want to talk about, um, and, I, and I hope you enjoy it. So let's get into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the idea of self-actualization. So um, I think that is most people's goal without knowing it, um, and it's definitely something I've cited as, uh, as one of my goals. Obviously, uh, my motto is... Uh, or my sort of mission is uh, to help others um, love themselves and world the world around them. Uh, but I think that can only truly be done uh, through self-actualization uh, of my own self. Um, so there's two definitions I kind of want to touch on. So uh, neither Carl Rogers or uh, Maslow have uh, originally defined the term, but those are the definitions I like the most. Now, Carl Rogers talks about how every uh, organism is trying to self-actualize. Um, um, that being said, his human or his uh, definition is very human-centric. So his um, his idea is that you have uh, a self-image. So how you, uh, I guess, your self-image is what you do on the day-to-day. -day. So this is who you actually are, um, and this is what you can see. So not even looking at your thoughts. Um, this is actually what you're doing. So. Um, you know, you might be an animal lover, um, or you might describe yourself as an animal lover, uh, but then you support uh, the murder of uh, 
millions of line, uh, animals a year. Um, so in that case, your self-image is, uh, you know, that, uh, the murdering thing, uh, but your ideal self, the, the idea that you, you apply yourself, how you think of it yourself is, uh, that you're an animal lover. So since those are, as, uh, he says, incongruent, um, you are not on the path of self-actualization. Uh, I'll probably use maybe veganism as my go-through definition just to trigger the most fans, I don't know, or annoy the most people. But uh, to actually quote um, Carl Rogers here, in which he describes self-actualization, he uh, says, um, becoming a fully functioning person means that the individual moves towards being knowingly and acceptingly the process which he inwardly and actually is. He moves away from what he is not, from being a facade, he is not trying to be more than he is, with the attendant feelings of insecurity or bombastic defensiveness. He is not trying to be less than he is, with the attendant feeling of guilt or self-deprecation. He is increasingly listening to the deepest recesses of his psychological and emotional being, and finds himself increasingly willing to be, with greater accuracy and depth, that self which he most truly is. Um, and Rogers wrote this in 1967. So the way I see this is uh, your um, actions aligning with your thoughts, if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of us always consider ourselves to be in the driver's seat of the car that is our life. Uh, but in reality, we are we are the passenger and it is our, because um, our thoughts are not conveyed. Um, our thought, only actions are conveyed to other people, right? Or, or the world around us. So I might think um, that I'm, I'm doing something right uh, but if my actions are not perceived or, or not something correct um, in society, right, I'm, I'm mismatching there. And this idea that um, our self-image and our ideal self, so who we sort of imagine ourselves to be, uh, lining up or being congruent um, is how Carl Rogers sees self-actualization. Um, now, he sees this as the sort of finish point um, that every organism should um, be at this is uh, and and we see this in movies as well, um, I guess, right? Like you know when that the hero is like, oh yeah, I've done everything I can. Like I've uh, become sort of like the ultimate being, and then they usually like leave the plot somehow uh, because their their story's done. Um, outside of uh, with back to Carl Rogers definition and being for all organisms, I, uh, I don't think it necessarily fits. Um, I think it's a very speciesist view in that uh, not every organism is capable of the uh, cognitive, um, I guess, abilities that humans have. Uh, that doesn't make them any less worth, um, but it, al it also, um, I don't think we can put this definition onto other animals because um, they, they might not necessarily have, um, right, self-image or their actions are uh, like always going to be sort of in in with their uh, ideal self um, or maybe they just don't think about self and, and we are unable to know that um, or at least I am unable to know that currently and I don't think it really means any, any less of them. Um, now, Maslow, um, he's probably the most famous um, psychologist when it comes to self-actualization and he has his hierarchy of needs um, so his hierarchy of needs of course if you're all familiar with it are um, like it's a pyramid 
and um, self-actualization is the fifth step or the top step. So just to go through them really quickly, the first step is your physiological needs. So think about breathing, food, sex, sleep, homeostasis, and excretion. Um, after that, once you have that, so your, your uh, physiological needs are, are met, you're alive, you go to safety and security, which include security of the body, employment, resources, morality, family, health, and property. So you have stuff, you, you have sort of like breathing room, let's say. After that, there's third, third step, people look for love and belonging, uh, which include friendship, family, sexual intimacy, sense of connection. Um, and then fourth is self-esteem. So confidence, achievement, respect of others, respect by others. And then the final step is the self-actualization, which includes morality, creativity, spontaneity, problem solving, lack of prejudice, acceptance of facts. And Maslow sort of talks about um, self-actualization. Um, he's realizing one's full potential. So whatever um, you could say that a human is worth um, or able to completely do in a lifetime, that's, that's what you're achieving. And Maslow, um, his hierarchy of needs actually, um, well, it goes to self-actualization. Um, not every human reaches it, and uh, it's not some like way that um, that everyone like kind of hits that spot. Um, it's something that you have to work towards, and and I agree with that. Um, and I think we also see that in Roger's definition that it's not something that happens by accident. Now, um, you might be asking like, oh, you know, this is some pretty deep stuff. Um, but how do we uh, how do we get to self actualization? You know, like what uh, what's what's the actual work? Like, um, this is not something that I think you just grow into. So, what do we do? Um, now, I personally look at this through the angle of wellness, and uh, I did read a couple papers about this. Um, just so you know, and I'll I'll get into that once uh, I get to the major couple papers that we're going to talk about. Um, but uh, I think the easiest way to have this conversation is uh, through wellness models. Now, the UN definition of, uh, your United Nations definition of health uh, includes physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, and not just the absence of sickness. And they, they wrote that in 1953. And I think um, the models uh, that we're going to look at all sort of like expand on the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. And I think um, achieving self-actualization requires us to hit uh, those three sort of benchmarks or those three uh, categories in a way that like, um, you know, propels us uh, to finding out who we are as a person. So um, I'm, I'm going to get it more convoluted than that. Um, but uh, just a quick disclaimer, I guess, before we do that, is that uh, I think every time in our lives, you know, some of these are going to be easier than others. So if we just stick with the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being right now, like sometimes it's very easy to be athletic. Uh, you have a lot of time. You have a lot of, uh, I don't know, you're in a good place. The weather is good. It's easy to really work on your physical health. Um, sometimes you're going to be working on your mental health more. So maybe you're in university. Um, and it's during final season, like, yeah, sure, you probably haven't been to the, uh, doing as much physical activity for a while, but like, you need to protect your mental health um, for your own, like, well-being, if that makes sense. You need to, like, do those things that, that make you uh, help your brain. And then finally, like, 
your spiritual well-being. It might be very hard when you when you move to a new place uh, to feel connected, for example. Um, so you might spend more time on your physical and mental health, uh, but without your spiritual, you know, health being there, um, you are in a state of like not wellness. If that makes sense, you're in a state of not wellness. Great term. All right. Um, one thing I do want to acknowledge is that, um, well, I'm going to be talking about sort of the Western science. Um, look at these. Um, indigenous cultures have been looking at health holistically since literally ever. Um, and it's always, always very interesting for me uh, when I'm like reading about Western discoveries in quotation marks. And um, like, they're just things that... Uh, like indigenous people take for granted. So uh, the medicine wheel is um, a wellness uh, symbol or wellness um, model that, uh, that is used a lot in uh, Canada. Um, and it's the medicine wheel is broken down into four uh, quadrants and just a model that uh, they use in my school. Each quadrant represents something about someone's like own wellness. So there's spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. And it's up to us um, as individuals to make sure we feed into all those um, categories of our life. Um, so, you know, well, I'm gonna like convolute this a lot. Um, this is something that like is uh, just a very like, I don't know, maybe easy thing to, to look at. Um, and it can be as complicated as you want, but uh, the use of models to display or talk about wellness, which is what uh, I'm going to be doing, um, is a very like common thing. And I don't want people to think like it's a it's a Western science thing um, at all. Um, on to so the main papers we're going to talk about. The two authors are uh, Thomas J. Sweeney and J. Melvin Whitmer. Um, so. They have two papers that I read actually back in university and uh, one came out in the 90s, um, 92, and the other one came out in 2000. Now the paper in 2000, they had Myers as an author. Um, hold on, let's grab that first name for you. Um, Myers, first name is Jane E or Jane E Myers. Um, and the big difference between the two of them is that uh, the two papers is that uh, they have their initial um, wellness wheel, as they call it. Um, it's a sort of like, it's, it's a model. Um, it's a holistic model for, for healing. Um, yeah, the wheel of wellness. And to be fair, I actually don't like their model. Um, the picture of it, and I, I'm happy to send any people who contact me these papers, I have them downloaded. Um, it's very confusing, if that makes sense. And uh, I don't think it's, it's as simple or easy to read as a medicine wheel, um, but it's also very descript. And I think all these parts um, play into, you know, treating yourselves well and achieving the self-actualization. Um, so Sweeney and Whitmer define wellness as um, wellness as a way of life orientated towards optimal health and well-being in which body, mind, and spirit are integrated by the individual to live more fully within the human and natural community. Um, 1992. So when I read that, I see it very in line with uh, Rogers and Maslow's definitions of um, self-actualization. Like 
living fully within the human and natural community um, can also be kind of read by me as uh, living fully within yourself, um, which I think is sort of our like kind of living in alignment with ourselves is our um, kind of self-actualization definition. Now, um, they break down um, wellness into five tasks. So, um, and they're, they're called life tasks. So sort of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, these are things that you must do or achieve uh, to achieve or to get that optimal wellness. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go through the, uh, the five life tasks and uh, the subtasks directed on them. This is why I actually don't like this model. It gets very uh, wild. But, um, and we're gonna talk about them or I'm gonna discuss them a little bit, describe them. And then at the end, we're gonna talk about like, will this actually help us achieve self-actualization? So uh, to get into it, the first, or all five tasks in order are um, spirituality, self-direction, uh, which is an update in the 2000 paper, um, work and leisure, again, an update, friendship, and task five, the final task is love. So we'll go into them, we'll talk about uh, sort of pros and cons and what they mean. as I continually drink water through this, because uh, I'm dehydrated. All right, so on to spirituality. So this is um, talking about connection to a greater universe, and it can be publicly displayed as religion. Um, but uh, the main thing that they sort of talk about is that there's four sort of resources um, that it, you know, spirituality gives, um, and that is positive thoughts, hardiness or resilience, generalized self-efficacy and optimism. And um, those things seem to handle stress or help people handle with stress really well and lead them to like a very healthy sort of lifestyle. Um, so spirituality, think of it as, as like the connection to a greater universe um, that is sort of knowing what's around you. And I think, uh, I think to know yourself, um, you also have to be connected with others. I don't think uh, we can really discover who we are outside of um, knowing, I don't know, knowing what's outside of us. Um, I think as, as we journal more inward, uh, deeply, we need to journal more outward. And uh, spirituality is sort of that sense that um, like it's very hard to pin down as uh, when, like when we get talking about friendship and uh, like love, like those are things that we can sort of describe a connection with like other people. Um, but if you think of spirituality more as like connection to, um, I guess like, I don't know, the, the world, the culture of the universe or the, uh, the universal sort of thought. I know this is getting wishy-washy for me, um, but uh, I don't know, just that feeling of um, belonging maybe if that's the best, that connection with, uh, with life and nature. Like you feel like you're comfortable there. Um, and as I go through these, um, I'm really trying to pick out what the authors meant by each life task as uh, our goals to complete them to achieve actualization or self-actualization. Uh, but the authors really write and, and they cite a lot of stuff about um, the health benefits of each of these things. Um, so if you're really interested, again, ask me for the paper 
um, and I'm happy to send that to you, um, which they talk about like these are health benefits. But just do be know that the paper is almost uh, 22 years old, and I'm sure I'm sure uh, Sweeney and uh, Whitmer have been added again. Um, I just don't have the same access to scientific papers as I used to in university. All right, life task two is self-direction. Um, so self-direction describes how people regulate, um, dis self-discipline themselves and direct themselves in a way to reach long-term goals. So maybe your goal is to, um, I don't know, make partner at your long law firm uh, that you work at. And uh, these are the skills that you're gonna use to uh, get yourself to that long-term goal. And they break up self-direction into 12 subtasks. And uh, I'll, I'll be like very direct Self-direction is the longest uh, section or the most uh, maybe convoluted of the life tasks that we go through. Um, just quickly uh, to talk about each of the 12. So the first one is sense of worth. Um, and actually really interesting, Yacht 1991, which is cited, includes uh, seeking self-actualization. And uh, of course, the sense of worth is just like, you know, you are the person you are. Um, you're happy with that. Uh, you value it, stuff like that. Um, yeah, self-esteem, self-worth, um, you know, managing your own expectations, uh, knowing that like you have high value, uh, self-esteem, that you have high, um, high worth. So it's important that you, I guess, like value yourself. Um, cause right. If you, if you don't value yourself, let's be honest, you, are you really going to put in the work? Uh, the mental work, the spiritual work that's required here. Um, a sense, sense of control is the next one, and that's uh, having some sort of impact on the outcome. So this is like when something happens and you're like, oh yeah, I did a really good job and it led to you know a positive outcome, or even I did a really good job, um, there's a negative outcome, but like I did the best I could. And um, Having some sort of impact on the outcome, having a sense of control, I think gives a lot of self like satisfaction. Um, and like personally, when I was teaching the UK, I felt like I had no um, maybe impact on the outcomes of those students, or or I was never going to be able to change the education system, which I, I felt like I had, I had a sense of control here uh, in teaching. So it's something that I find very important, and, and I think most people do, right? Like if you um want your outcome, whatever outcome it is, you want to be the one who achieves it um, through your own merits because that's where the value comes from, right? Um, you know, if I, was, if I was beating Metroid Dread by a cheat, I'd be like, eh, that wasn't as uh, worth it as if I uh, beat Metroid Dread through a hard, hard grinding and uh, as the gamers say, getting good. Uh, the next one is realistic beliefs. So um, lots of people uh, hold what they define as irrational beliefs, um, such as like, I must be loved by everyone or life must be absolutely fair. And uh, holding these beliefs cause higher potential for unhealthy behaviors because the world is never gonna completely line up with these beliefs. So just knowing like, hey, you know, it's okay that like I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, stuff's not always gonna be in my favor. Um, sort of stuff like that, you know, like, oh, um, things happen for, for a reason that I, I might not have control over and, and I accept that and my beliefs are the like, you know, some things aren't going to go perfectly. Um, and I think this 
just helps with like resilience. I think uh, people who sort of believe this are able to, to kind of be more resilient. Um, <clears throat> the next one is emotional awareness and coping. Um, so this is the ability to feel the entire emotional spectrum. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that for the first bit. Um, emotions as, as they, they write and they talk about are very important in uh, like processing information and relating to others. Um, so if you haven't, right, if something terrible happens, like you process that information through maybe like anger or sadness um, and something really good happens, you might process that uh, data or situation by like joy, happiness. Uh, so not only like will knowing these emotions and knowing the feelings like help you process information, um, it also helps you relate to others, which is quite important. Um, just to get into it, like students that uh, I find um, are less able to uh, be in touch with their emotions, uh, I find, right, they, they get frustrated more and, and right, because they, they can't, uh, they can't maybe articulate, they're, they're not aware um, of what emotions they're feeling. So if you, um, right, if you just feel like bad, but you can only describe it as I feel bad, when it could be um, anger, frustration, sadness, guilt, um, all these sort of different subsets of bad, um, <laughs> Right, it's it's harder to actually um, work through the emotion, and think of oh, why do I feel this way? Um, which leads to our coping part, and uh, which means you're able to self-regulate your emotions. So, um, not quite like be a Vulcan, of course, uh, and and reject your emotions or hide your emotions, but like, you know, um, cope with with being very very happy, um, cope with going through hard times and feeling a little bit down. Um, and just being able to regulate that. Um, our next one is problem solving and creativity. Um, so this talks about um, your brain's, like using your brain as a muscle and using it to think, sort of like the use, use it or lose it of your brain. Um, and actually Maslow um, in 1970, he considers this a universal characteristic of self-actualized people, that they're creative. Um, which I guess I, oh, I got ahead of myself. Uh, but yeah, you know, like using your brain um, so you're able to solve problems. And I think like personally, um, maybe we have a lot of issues in society with that now. Like uh, even right sitting down to write this podcast, I, I lost so much hours to like doom scrolling um, just because like maybe I don't concentrate in um, lots of lots of long periods of time anymore. Um, even though like, I knew how to solve the problem. I just didn't want to do it, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then creativity um, is that novel concepts, which leads to a higher self-esteem. So you, there might be like always one way to solve a problem, um, but you discover a different way or a way that suits you more. Um, and then you have that like, you know, self-esteem boost of, of being creative and, and doing something that uh, maybe no one else has ever done before. All right, on to uh, your sense of humor. Um, so both laughing, so recognizing humor and creating humor uh, helps people enjoy life. Um, so not only does like laughing have a lot of positive health benefits, which this paper is really focused on, um, it allows us to like connect with people, right? So if you if you laugh um, or if you make someone laugh, you know you kind of raise those little friendship points and. Uh, 
surprise, surprise connection to others is quite important. Um, also knowing like what makes you laugh, I think is important to, to knowing yourself. Um, it's also something that uh, can be used to navigate uh, tough problems, which they, they talk about. Um, so, you know, in a bad situation, uh, you can make light of it and, and sort of like trade um, the maybe stress uh, for a little bit of like happiness in that time. Um, not that like the situation goes away, but maybe your stress changes a little bit. Um, and it can also be obviously like used to, uh, you know, when, when everyone's kind of sad to, to lighten the mood, which I think is all like quite positive and leads to health benefits. Um, they do mention, and this is something I want to note that, uh, apparently roasting people does not fall under the sense of humor section. Uh, they actually talk about roasting people having maybe negative health outcomes. So, well, I, I don't believe it. Um, that is what they talk about. And I'm, I'm just reporting what is written here. Um, the next two are quite quick. So nutrition, um, right. I'm not surprised it's on this list under self-direction talking about like being disciplined and working towards long-term goals. Um, right. If you eat well, you feel well. Um, I'm sure all of us around like Christmas, you know, you kind of eat like garbage, um, which like fair enough. Um, cause it is Christmas and like everyone just kind of wants to be happy, but like you don't necessarily feel that well after, after kind of eating garbage. Uh, that being said, I look forward to being over 99%, uh, mashed potato, uh, by the end of the Christmas season. <laughs> and, uh, I will take, take the, uh, the maybe nutritional negatives due to that. Uh, the next one is exercise and, uh. The only thing that they wrote that uh, I wanted to really touch on there is that it's essential for creating self-confidence, right? Um, if you uh, don't put any time into something, it's it's very hard uh, to feel confident in it, uh, feel like it's valuable. And that's the same thing with our like physical bodies. Um, they're right. If you want to, uh, if you want to see yourself as your sort of ideal self, you need to, you need to cultivate that. Uh, they also talk about in later parts, exercise being good for like self-regulation of emotions and stuff like that. Uh, so it does come up quite a bit in this paper, but this is the only time I'm going to talk about it. Um, self-care in which they talk about safety habits. Um, so like, you know, putting on your seatbelt, stuff like that, uh, avoiding toxins in the environment, uh, minus boozing because it is a Christmas season, of course. Uh, and we all have maybe a problem there. And then of course, even just going to a doctor. So doing those things that uh, maybe aren't super glamorous, um, but sort of treating yourself like you love yourself in that. Um, stress management. Um, so stress management is defined as the ability to identify stressors in one's life and to reduce and minimize stress by using strategies of stress reduction. And this is by um, Eversole and Hess in 1994, um, that definition. And uh, it's talking about like having enough stress or positive stress um, so that you actually do something like a, like, and that's actually part of the reason I have the Saturday or um, these episodes always released on a Saturday is like, if I said, I'm going to release um, 52 episodes in a, in a year, um, they would not come out or they come out very sporadically um, unless I, I set personal deadlines so I could use a little bit of you stress um, to actually get my, my budding gear. Um, they also talk about learning to mitigate, sorry, distress. So having strategies, uh, right, like b 
being able to build eustress or use have eustress uh, that positively affects you and then learning to mitigate uh, distress or the negative stress that might um, be mentally harmful or mentally toxing taxing um, this one's actually a new one from their 1992 model uh, to the 2000 model and it talks about gender identity and uh, what Sweeney and Whitmer are talking about here is that this means being okay and comfortable with your gender identity. So um, I am a male, I identify as male, I'm okay with that. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me, even though I'm not a very like maybe masculine male. Um, but it's talking about just like being comfortable in, in your skin uh, and who you are. And, and I don't think, uh, right, under the task of self-direction, um, right. If you're not comfortable with, with, uh, what some might consider like a basic aspect of yourself, um, obviously it's going to be very hard uh, to do that. Um, it also really opens up and, and I like that they added this to this model because it opens up, uh, people to not be gender conforming, uh, with their original model did not touch on that. Um, so good work, Sweeney and Whitmer. Um, the final one of our 12 little subtasks here our cultural identity. So being a way aware and okay with your culture, um, you know, like being able to relate to others through your culture, finding, I guess, oneness or uh, answering sort of like questions about yourself self through your culture. Um, and this kind of goes back to spirituality, I think, uh, our first life task. Um, I think lots of us, like thinking is hard, right? We can only make so many decisions in a day. And uh, when our spiritual framework and our cultural framework gives us answers to some of these questions like i will do this in this situation um it actually saves up thought and we have talked about thought fatigue in this uh podcast before on the show and i think that's why those are so important and keep on coming up um throughout this wellness model um all right we'll drink some water then we'll talk about work and leisure um interesting enough I believe these are separated in their 1992 paper uh, slightly. But um, so, you know, like Sweeney and Whitmer do mention like being able to financially take care of yourself as important. Um, but they really stress like the main reason that uh, these are life tasks is that they allow us to access a flow state. Um, so if you've ever read um, any of, oh, what's his name? Uh, he wrote Deep Work. Cal, um, Cal Newport, um, he talks about flow state and a, and a flow state is when you're kind of just like in the zone. Um, and there's lots of talk about like, you know, the best in whatever business or the best, uh, athletes are the ones that can regularly access flow state and maybe like, uh, you know, like learn, learn how to access it maybe, um, where a lot of us don't. And, and the reason we, we don't, um, access flow state, of course, is through distractions like social media, um, not this podcast though. Um, and they, they talk about working this flow state is very important. Um, cause you, you get lots of work done and of course work brings a sense of self-worth, um, self-control as well as it, uh, you know, gives you that sort of like satisfaction, um, like positive life satisfaction. It also, um, often includes interacting with people, uh, which is something healthy, especially working with people on a team towards a common goal is uh, one of those life things that I think everyone wants. And uh, you learn a lot about yourself during that, doing that. Um, leisure tasks, uh, which don't necessarily mean like sitting on your phone or whatever, or like gaming out. Uh, these are t 
tasks that bring us maybe emotional self-meaning or there's no like financial motivator to do it. Um, and it's just like you, you emotionally uh, level up or you, you get meaning that way. So they're, they're not the thing that's going to like, you know, be your bread and butter, um, but they help emotionally. Task four is friendship. Um, so these are social connections that do not involve marriage, sex, or family commitments. And, uh, you know, um, in, a, in a paper released in 1995, uh, Baumester and Leary claim that interpersonal attachments are a fundamental human motivator. So these are like, um, sort of think of it as being a part of a community um, or having like positive friendships with other people. So people that you can contact, have interpersonal relationships with, um, learn and grow and kind of, you know, become a better person through interacting with them. And, and I think uh, we're obviously all social creatures and I think uh, we get a lot of value from interacting with people, um, even if it's just like a minor thing. Uh, and maybe this is my extrovert speaking, but it's like whenever I'm, you know, looking for a gym, the most important thing is like the gym culture and the people that are there because uh, they're people I get along with and can interact with uh, on the regularly. Um, I find that to be like the most positive experience of, of the gym maybe. Um, and that task for our friendship, um, I think really leads into the uh, task five of love. Uh, so these include the relationships that are um, involving marriage, sex, or family commitments. And um, they actually stress uh, Sweeney and Whitmer um, stress that these don't have to be like a blood family. They could be a family like support system. And they actually give us um, some characteristics that uh, um, love necess necessitates. Um, so the nine ones are shared coping and problem solving skills, um, commitment to the family, um, good communication, encouragement of individuals, expression of appreciation, shared religious slash spiritual orientation, social connectedness, clear roles and shared interests, values, and time. And uh, they lifted that from Kristen Moore and Zill um, in their 1990 paper. So um, these are those relationships, I think, that are obviously stronger than a friendship. These are the ones that you sort of build your life around. Uh, if you think as, um, let's say, task four are like the world around you, um, that you, the people that you maybe don't have any control over, um, in the truest of sense, and then task five, love. These are the relationships that uh, you do sort of have control over um, those people in, in maybe a very positive way. Uh, I'm thinking of it like an RPG party. So like your friendship are the side characters that like aren't in your party. And then um, the love are the, the characters that are in your party that uh, obviously you work in tandem with um so maybe on their next model they'll switch it and be like you know people that um whoops kick my table uh people that you you know like interact with um and then people that like bolster you up um and love but those are those five tasks um obviously we've talked to it talked about them quite a bit especially that task two there and uh, how does this lead to self-actualization? So um, the way I see it is that um, wellness is a moving target. Um, I don't think it's anything that necessarily like you can always hit 100% of the time. 
And I think certain times in your life, different tasks are going to be more important, which I talked about in the, uh, the opening of uh, when we started talking about wellness, right? Um, but what I think is they give us a really good framework to work towards self-actualization. So if we go back um, to Roger's definition of our self-image matching our ideal self, I think uh, we all have an ideal self in mind. Um, maybe like in my own, my own personal, uh, um, I guess, journey um, towards self-actualization, though we, we all know I haven't hit it. Um, all of my dreams used to start with like a montage in which I would like uh, do a lot to like become um, maybe like a better person, like more in shape or like smarter or something. Um, and like, now I don't have that. Um, now I'm like pretty satisfied with who I am as a person. Um, at least on like ground level me, um, maybe I'm, I'm working more towards, uh, the later tasks in the list. Um, but I think these give us the sort of, uh, framework or, or ideas in which that we can improve ourselves so that our um, self-image actually matches that ideal self. I think our ideal self is going to have um, sort of completed each of these life tasks and it might be, uh, you know, like um, concrete. Uh, you might look at yourself and be like, oh, they have a really, um, uh, I want to have a really good job. My ideal self has the best job ever. Uh, so that's something that's like very concrete and you can see that. Um, and you can work towards that via like task three, uh, but some of them might be a little bit more minor or something that you might not pick up on explicitly, like part of task two, the self-direction and part of uh, task one, spirituality. I also think it's, it's definitely a societal goal um, or a goal society puts on us to like complete task five, obviously task four as well. Um, though I think uh, like when I look at my ideal self, I can, I can sort of see each task uh, being complete. Um, so like when, I, when talking about like task one spirituality, um, like when, when uh, I say like, you know, hi, like I'm, I'm Corey, Corey Dick, nice to meet you. Like I want that uh, to be, I, I want to know exactly who that is. Um, and I want, to, I want to be that person. And I think that really falls under spirituality is that like self-knowledge uh, through that connection um, when it comes to self-direction, I, I think we all want to, uh, you know, have the sense of where a sense of control, the realistic beliefs, the emotional awareness and the ability to cope with their emotions, uh, be able to solve problems, be creative, you know, have a good sense of humor, uh, have their nutrition exercise down, have those self-care habits, you know, be able to manage stress and, and know who they are in their culture. I think, uh, I think those are all things that, uh, people's ideal self will, will have. Um, and like seeing, if we look at Canadian history, like Saskatchewanian history, um, and the history of indigenous people in this country, um, we see that like cultural identity was, uh, the Canadian government did their best to try to erase that, uh, and indigenous people and, and, uh, lots of, uh, indigenous people are hurting because of that. Um, and to complete task three, um, or sorry, task two, like the self-direction as, as educators and as uh, people who care about this province and love it, uh, we're trying to create that uh, cultural identity or we're trying to, um, I guess, you know, like give people the opportunity to have it. Um, we're trying to cultivate it is the word I'm looking for. Um, task three, of course, work and leisure, like 
I think all of us have a dream job maybe um, and want to work towards that and then have hobbies that we like to do and, and we can't always achieve those hobbies, right? Like, or we might have goals in those, uh, in those hobbies that bring emotional self-meaning, right? Um, on their friendship, I think uh, like all of us view ourselves as having, you know, really good friends or like positive friendships. Um, and then finally, of course, love, like I think all of us, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone really like views themselves as going to be like, um, you know, there's no one for me. I will not have a family like support system. And if we look back at uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, I'm really jumping through models right now. Um, you know, we could argue that, well, under, under number two, um, family is right there. And uh, obviously Maslow is going to use a different definition um, to Sweeney and uh, Whitmer. But um, right, that's something, that's something that we need to achieve. Um, anyways, with that, uh, hopefully this model helps you. Um, hopefully this isn't the first time you've heard about self-actualization. Um, but if it is, you know, hopefully that gives you a goal to work towards, right? Like, you know, your main goal might be like, have a good job. Don't get fired. I don't know. Um, but hopefully you, you can take that on as a personal goal to, uh, you know, match up your self-image and your ideal self, you know, achieve that, uh, um, as Maslow says, you know, your, your maximum potential. Um, and hopefully if you look at this model that, uh, uh, Myers, Witt, Sweeney and Whitmer, uh, created in 2000, it gives you a little bit of a framework, uh, to work towards that. And of course, if you don't want to use such a convoluted model, um, you can always look towards like, uh, the medicine wheel as something that you can look at. Um, thank you for, uh, hanging out with my Ted talk. Hopefully, uh, if you're on maybe some Christmas road trips, this was valuable or uh, you're trying to avoid family. This was uh, 45 minutes of slightly uh, less torture um, than whenever that is. But um, with that, uh, next week, we're probably it's probably going to be a best of uh, best of the year episode. Um, it is my birthday this next week, so we might get into some shenanigans there. Um, we'll see. But uh, highly, highly positively, it's going to be a a review of the last year because um, it is also the end of the anime season and stuff which is when i always do my like seasonal reviews um so it's probably just going to be one of those for the year um but uh who knows i haven't decided it yet um with that don't do anything i wouldn't do or haven't done i want to see you all here next week